you know, we, I said, John, you know, let's just take it a step at a time. Let's go to history. Let's go through the whole clinical discipleship process with Xavier. He's 11 years old. And um, we kind of hit a run roadblock where we got to his early childhood, and he remembers being in Florida alone, but doesn't remember not, they never told him that he's adopted. Mm. And, and, and they, they kind of made me stop short of that, you know. But John understands that he's got all this anger, like he says, why was they in Florida and you left me at Ma's and Pop-Pop's house and didn't bring me home? Wow. He kind of knows that something was wrong. And every, I thought, just assumed he knew. And it was my lawyer. He said, you know, Lori said, he's got all this misplaced uh, uh, rejection and anger, and he thinks it's John and Brenda. In reality, they were saving him. They were trying to rescue him. Mm. You know? And so I, I met with, I, I've been with him a couple weeks here. We've gone through... Um, you know, we, we went through a little bit of the history. I, I stopped short of dealing with the with the adoption thing because you know they want to do it. They want to do that. Brenda's afraid to tell him, and, and I've counseled John. I said, "Now I'm going to be gone two weeks. You guys really need to talk with him about that, or or make a plan to sit with me and talk with him about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a piece that he needs to deal with." Right. You know. How old is he now? He's eleven. He'll be twelve soon. I think in July yeah. or June he'll be twelve. Right. And he's in a lot of trouble. He's a big kid, very aggressive, always picking up something, a bat, a stick, always hitting someone, uh, mm-hmm. very defiant. And, um, you know, I was counseling with him. Uh, then then we, did the we, we did the wheel. And God gave me a diagram with him. I, on my whiteboard, I drew a stick figure, and I put his name. I said, Xavier, this is you. And then I put, coming out of, of the right side, I put all the behaviors. I said, where do you feel dad is concerned, your teachers are concerned? He named Disrespectful, disobedient, hurting people. So I let him name the the the, the problems or the, or the presentation or the, the mm-hmm. symptoms, and I show them coming out the right side of his body. Mm-hmm. Then on the left side, I said, "What factors do you think cause this?" And he, of course, he shrugged his shoulders. So I talked about indwelling sin. I talked about experience. I talked about modeling. I talked about hurting, and I drew arrows going in, working on him. Mm-hmm. And I said, Xavier, you know, your teachers, your, your, your administrators, your counselors at school, they want to deal with just this behavior side. They want to deal, when, when you're good, they want to reward you, and when you're bad, they want to discipline you for those behaviors. And there's some validity to that, because it helps control you. I said, others on the counseling side would try to unravel all this stuff that's gone on in your life. And I said, there's a better way, and I drew Jesus across over all that input. I drew a cross, Christ on the cross, cross, what I call him, crossing out all that input into his life, all mm. that negative input. Mm. And he said, you know, Pastor Jeff, he said, this is a lot like the wheel in line. It's just different. Your picturing is different. Wow. So he got it, you know. Yeah. So we dealt with that again this week, and, and, uh, and we did the line actually this week, and then he, he actually covered his head with his shirt that I'm ashamed. Really? And so I knew he was there at the point, so we went, I said, you don't have to be ashamed. I said, you can have a, all can be taken. It can be a new past, too. And, and we went and we prayed, and, and, and he, we prayed with him, and he exchanged. So it was really powerful. Praise the Lord. So oh. then we're dealing with Joni. Joni is the lady in our church who's been an alcoholic since she's 12 years old, and she's 49 right now. And this week on Mother's Day, she went to her mother's grave and sat at her mother's grave and got drunk with vodka and on her way home, got arrested for DWI. So, mm. her wow. boyfriend had called me and told me, and I knew, and she wasn't going to tell me, and I kind of brought it up, and she had come in and see me this week. So 
we went back through the cross, and, and I explained to her, I said, and I really do think, um, I did call Keswick, I talked to Lynn John, or actually she emailed me back, um, you know, Keswick doesn't take ladies there, but they, they have some referral programs in the area, or, you know, within tri-state area, where women can go residential programs. Mm -hmm. Lynn sent me three recommendations, and, and I said to her, I said, Joni, wherever you go, I don't know what you're going to learn, but you need the foundation of this exchange, you need the foundation. Because if you can get what I'm teaching you right now, then everything you learn where you, when you go away, you'll build on. But if you just go and they don't teach you the exchange, you're just going to learn externals and religion. Mm. And so she, she she prayed to exchange, and we had done that earlier in the year, but I hope that this was really a um, more meaningful to her. I think she was at a greater point of brokenness and yes. having gotten the DWI, alienating her boyfriend. And her big thing was, I felt betrayed because Lou called you. And I said, you know, Lou did the right thing. Lou, Lou called me on Sunday to tell me that you were drunk at, at the graveyard and you wouldn't get in the car with him. And we were at a family gathering, Lurie's aunt and her cousins. Otherwise, I would have gotten in the car and went up there and confronted her on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Very. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did find these. I did give her some of these referrals. Uh, I called her yesterday. Even though I was off yesterday, I called her off. called her yesterday. And, and um I kind of gave her a job to go on these websites and start looking at these places, and we would help her get to one of these. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think with something that's been so long-term, since she's 12 years old, she's been drinking. Her mother and father were drunks. Her brother her brother died of alcoholism. You know, I said to her, I said, after drinking 40 years, I'm not sure how you're still alive. She said, well, every time I get to this point of really being sick physically, I stop. Mm. Cover for a few months, and then I start again. Oh, may God uh, use this crisis to crowd her to the cross Absolutely. in an experiential way and hopefully followed by some accountability and support and freedom in Christ measures. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we're certainly going to keep following up with her. and I'm not sure. You know, I, I think that I could help her through the clinical discipleship process, but but I do think that with something that's such a stronghold, she she would benefit from being away. And some of these ladies' programs are eight and ten months. You know, the Keswick program is, is uh, what is it, 120 days is what? That's uh, four months. Mm -hmm. I heard Bill Wealthy said that the ladies' programs run longer. They have more baggage. They have more, uh, I, I, I don't know why, it seems like the ladies' programs run much longer. I see. So, anyway, uh, it, it, it was quite an exciting couple days. And, uh, you know, we're trusting, we're thankful that God will keep working there. Mm -hmm. And I explained to both Xavier and to Joni that, you know, this cross experience is the beginning, not the not, not an end. You know, people have a tendency to think it's an event sanctification and I and I tell them that everything that like, with Xavier I said, when next time you feel like you want to disobey dad, when dad tells you not to pick up his phone because he just done that, he picked up his phone and started listening to John's messages. That's the kind of stuff he does, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, when you when you feel like doing that, you say, Lord Jesus, this is what I want to do for whatever reason. My flesh and dwelling said, but I'm going to cross that desire out right now. I'm going to appropriate that I died with you. I'm alive with you. I'm going to cross that desire out. And I said to him, say, when you do that, That's you're good. going to be flushed with, with God's power and presence, and mm -hmm. you're going to be able to say no to that sin, good. to that disobedience. Well, praise the Lord for how he is opening these doors, Jeff, for you to share the message of the cross and... and uh, the great solutions. Uh, wow. Well, I, I I believe with all my heart, and I know that they're not going to get help anywhere else. So, mm -hmm. so we'll see what the Lord does in both of these cases. And um, I wanted to get I wanted to get with you as far as we talked about doing the little tape recording. Right. 
and I do have something like just a half a page written up here. I don't know if you want me how, how scripted you want to do this. I don't want to do it scripted, really. Well, I I think you know we've already talked uh, and shared about some of these developments, Jeff, and um, the way uh, your circumstances are, your your vision um, to help, especially uh, share the message of the exchange life with pastors. So. Um, the tape is is rolling, and why don't uh, why don't we have a word of prayer and then turn you loose and share what's on your heart, okay? All right, thank you, John. Father. We uh, I just thank you for Jeff's testimony, for his fellowship, for his support, for your calling on his life, for his gifts, and uh, Lord, we just pray for these two individuals that he's ministered to this week for um, the Holy Spirit to continue to illumine what it means for them to be co-crucified and co-raised with Christ, so their victory would be uh, progressive and lasting. Um, so do God our conversation that as he shares uh, his vision and his heart, um, and we record this for the board or whomever is uh, led to evaluate these possibilities, that you would bless and guide. And we just thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Okay, brother. Well, why don't you just uh, um, walk through your, your bullet points there and Okay. I'll jump in if you can kind of you know feel free to to add to kind of lead me too you know sure. if you want me to develop more okay all right well maybe we could start with uh, um, your experience teaching the uh, eight week sixteen lesson uh, Grace Fellowship course which we tailored for the America's Keswick uh, Keswick Institute of Biblical Studies thank you for going the extra mile and in, in uh, preparing and formatting it more as as a formal teaching structure and owning the material and uh, could you just comment on on that experience especially uh, i was so blessed when you shared about the testimonies as you wrapped it up sure sure well of course the group was very receptive there was um, probably seven i think out of the 17 i think seven of the folks there were connected to keswick either as staff or as um, what they call discipleship students, which are some of the guys in the colony that stay on and help. And I think seven of the 17 were, were, were staff, were connected to Keswick, some from the, from the communities then, the rest were from the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the mist, it was always well-received. Um, I think what made it a little easier is that they had had, all of them had had some training or some exposure to, to Grace teachings before. You know, they've had uh, Bill Gillum there at Keswick, and they've had Steve McVeigh, they've had... Uh, uh, you know, some of them were familiar. So when, when some of the things I taught, it wasn't like earth-shattering for them. But um, I think it was very good to just break it down step by step. They received well the trichotomy concept and teaching. And, and, and as we moved then through the Exchange Life teaching, it was, it was always well-received. Um, I, I think that, it, like you said, the highlight was I made time in the last hour and, and then we averaged every week. Right? We had 17 students. I think the lowest I ever had was 15. I mean, it was wonderful attendance. Good. Um, and we oriented it toward uh, not only the message, but the methodology and, and the process of using it to help right. someone else, right? So it had a counseling structure to it. The first couple of weeks we had the, the, the message of the exchange life, and then we had the methodology and, and some of the materials right. helped them. And that was a big piece, I think. Providing examples of the material, like I would, I brought in, um, uh, you know, some other Dr. Solomon's books, uh, you know, and just showed them that different different tools they could use, and I think that was very very helpful. Right. So at the last night, we we, we, we carved out about uh, the last forty five minutes. We carved out a time for testimonies, and my assistant pastor came down, and we planned a a, a, a worship experience based on 
the grace teaching and grace message after the testimonies. And uh, the, the testimonies were phenomenal. And, of course, that ended the last week of March, and I couldn't quite remember all of them. But, like, I remember one fellow, uh, when I taught the message of the cross, uh, he said the most important part for him was he understood now what it meant to be truly exchanged. And so, uh, of course, I gave an opportunity to to, to pray the self for prayer in, in the course. And so this guy made a public testimony that he had prayed that that prayer. Mm-hmm. One of the most significant uh, comments was um, uh, Mary Ann. She's a counselor there. Uh, she's got her master's from Biblical University, Biblical uh, Philadelphia Biblical University right here. And uh, she's a counselor there at the colony. And she said never had she understood the impact of rejection on, on the flesh patterns and on people until mm-hmm. this course. And she said she was so thankful for that piece that she felt was missing in her training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jim Freed, who's the, who's the director of the Colony of Mercy, of course he had Dr. Solomon's book previously. It was well marked and read, but he sat and listened attentively the whole time and, and, and realized that prior to his coming there to the Colony of Mercy, Colony of Mercy had, had moved away from the Keswick roots, away from the cross grace center teaching, had become much more nephetic, described it as a boot camp that was dealing with just the externals. And they had a high rate of people returning back. And as he would talk to the guys, he realized that although they went through the four months, they never really dealt with uh, real hurts. They never really dealt with real values, and they needed to get back to the heart of the the matter. Mm -hmm. really felt like the teaching, the renewed teaching on the cross, and also the the third step of the clinical discipleship process, the stronghold sweeping to sweep the mind, was going to be very beneficial there. Mm-hmm. And he and several of the other counselors who had come up in through that aesthetic training were really impacted, I think. Like one of the guys came to me and said, I'm working with one of the guys now that has great fear problems. And I've given him every verse on fear and courage to memorize. And I said to him, well, that may curtail the fear, but what will it do? Where, where, will, that, where will that insecurity transition to somewhere else in his life? Um, let, let's cut the root. And let's, mm-hmm. let's just deal with verses on fear, which are fine. But let's deal with right. where, where is that insecurity coming from, and let's find how he can be secure in Christ. Right on. And, he, and he really responded, that fellow really responded tremendously to the whole course, that counselor. It's one of the chaplains there at the colony. Great. Um, so there were many, many testimonies just over and over again about the specifics of the class. And then we went into a time of worship where we had a, uh, a CD presentation, uh, Your Grace Still Amazes Me, that we've used at our church, and they meditated on the truth. It takes every one of the verses in Ephesians about our, our being in Christ verses in Ephesians that has its music and background, and then we went into a worship time, and you would have thought that the roof would have come off that little classroom. Wow. So although the class was a great challenge to me, uh, specifically, too, with our, our church setting being kind of unstable here, um, at that time, even more unstable, uh, and in preparation extra, but I, I really think it was very, very beneficial. You know, I've always been praying for, for years that Keswick would return back to its true roots of the exchange life, because um, I could see even in the conference ministry how it's drifted, um, and I never thought God would use me as part of that. I'm so thankful that you were available to do that, Jeff. I know it took uh, a lot of time, as well as not only the teaching on the Tuesday evenings, but the preparation, and uh, God bless you for your being available, and, and just to tailor it as the Lord guided you through the sessions, and, and uh, 
Uh, well, I know I was. I know it was a blessing there. I think it's mm-hmm. strategic, and also I know that um, I uh, I learned again tremendously the importance of of the cross. Again, just having taught it, you know, we have a saying. You know, I do the martial arts, and in one of the martial arts schools I worked out, they had a they had a banner up and said, "He who teaches gets to learn twice." Mm-hmm. You know, you really learn it when you teach it. That's right. So I really felt that. Um, this time, because I've been through a couple of conferences and, and other things, but I've never really taught the conference material. This was as close as I've come to doing it. So I really felt like it solidified a lot of things for me. Super. Well, brother, you, you alluded to um, the the challenge of uh, Priest Christian Church being kind of in transition. So why don't you um, uh, describe that process and uh, where it is now and uh, implications for uh, this summer? Sure. Um, you know, we're seven years old, and we had grown. We had we had a tremendous ministry. We've had, oh, I don't know, 150 people accept Christ as Savior. At one time, we were 120 on Sunday morning. And then we had some doctrinal division. Um, it was heartbreaking to see people that we led to Christ get led away into uh, really obs- obscure Pentecostal doctrine, visions, and, and things of such nonsense. Um really uh, grieved us so because the focus was no longer on Christ but on the Holy Spirit and on what he would do for them temporally and we dealt with this particular group of people in our church the elders did for six months and then they finally left and left a huge hole in our church and when they left it created a very negative inertia and others left so we found ourselves down to you know 50 60 people and not being able to pay our bills and everyone kind of that was left kind of discouraged and yet on three occasions, I met with my elders and deacons, and we prayed, you know, Lord, are you, are you not at work? Are you closing the door here? And none of us ever felt like like that was the case. And so we continued to seek what God would have us to do, and feeling like we were really run down, like I was run down emotionally, physically, and spiritually. But not only me, some of the guys that had been with us since the beginning, seven years, setting up, breaking down, and... and to me, also felt very run down, discouraged. So, yet we didn't feel like God wanted us to say, okay, let's dissolve the church. Setting up and breaking down, you meant uh, preparing in the school for the church services? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work mm-hmm. every Sunday. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and then every Sunday we put together, Aaron, our worship assistant, puts together a tremendous package. And uh, I mean, for a church of under 100 people, I would put it on class at a church of much larger scale. He's such a gifted kid, uh, such a gifted young man. Um, and of course, I would deliver a message, to, whether it was 40 or 4,000, I put the same amount of time into it. Mm-hmm. And it became very it, it became very daunting. And yet, not feeling like we wanted to close the church, we, we kind of moved back to our roots. When we started the church, we started with four home groups. We started as a cell church, and we maintained cell ministry throughout the week with worship on Sunday all together at the elementary school. Mm-hmm. But in order to, to consolidate um, energy to not to not to, and also to save some money on rent in the school, we, we um, over a couple months talked with the church and developed and went back to what we call neighborhood church groups where we have four neighborhood church groups meeting on Sunday morning. And I do the lesson for those groups. Um, it's, it's biblical, exegetical, inductive study. I then, and then Aaron and I meet on Wednesdays, and we, we craft a worship time for the groups, uh, where Aaron then will record that worship music on a CD, 
and it's available. It's made available to all the leaders. And what we do is we meet with the leaders every Thursday night, and I lead the leaders through the Sunday experience, through the neighborhood church group experience. Mm-hmm. We structured that around the fourfold structure of the first century church that we've learned from some ancient documents that talked about the church had the acts of entrance and coming into the presence of the Lord, the ministry of the Lord's table or the ministry of sharing. Every time we, we've done the Lord's table in our groups, so or we just have a ministry of open sharing, the ministry of the Word, and then the acts of dismissal, which sends the church out in the power and, and uh, excitement of Jesus to, to reach the world. Mm-hmm. We structure the neighborhood church groups around that fourfold pattern, and um, I meet with the with the leaders every Thursday night, and they become participants on Thursday night. Then they leave there with their CD of the worship, um, a comment on the CD that I address to each neighborhood church group each week, um, mm-hmm. A, a lesson with my answers on it and their answers, that their, their own lesson that they prepared too, and now they're ready to lead the groups. And the groups have been phenomenal. We've been doing this since mid-February. The groups have averaged between 50 and 60 um, every week. And then when we meet once a month or once every four weeks as an all-church together, we've averaged you know close to 70, 75 every time we meet. So it's been very, that's been very wonderful. And they have some really good feedback, don't they, when they get together for the celebration service? Yes, very much so. Uh, there's a great excitement. They really appreciate what's happening. And, and our great challenge, I think the groups are really working. I'm, I'm so thrilled that people have accepted it and that our attendance didn't drop way low. Although we did lose two or three families when we went to it, and that hurt us again financially and always hurts the... the mentality of the people that are left when, when people leave. Right. So that's been negative, but, but we see that, by and large, it's been very, very positive. And the men have been so encouraged, and we see the folks in the church really learning. These studies. Well, when you preach, we get it, but when we study it in the group, we really get it better. Yeah. It's been exciting. In terms of them digesting and retaining the, the message and impacting their lives. Much more so, because they can ask questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier to review. It really does sound like the the DNA of the the uh, Book of Acts, and and uh, we could uh, we have talked about it, and we could discuss um, implications for North America uh, with the increasing difficulties in our nation, the loss of freedoms, uh, the economic woes. That really this could be the um, the the model or wineskin that could really help the church experience revival when you've got the new wine of the exchange life and the wineskin of these, uh, um, not just small groups, but neighborhood churches that uh, have this right. quality of leadership training and vision to multiply. Right, and that's the key. I think the groups are giving us a sense of rest uh, uh, with less activity, less church activity that has to be done. But unless we take it to the next stage now, we're, we're group, group members and they've been trained previously about doing one-on-one multiplication. Unless we see that piece happen and we multiply Sunday groups, then we probably aren't. We probably don't have a very good prognosis because of the, you know, attrition and finances and and not fulfilling the ministry and mission of Christ. Also, what's very positive though, John, too, is I always tell people that when you come to Grace Christian, you get to experience the life of Christ two ways. First, through the grace message individually, you get to experience Christ as life. But then when you go to your small group, you get to experience Christ as life because the body function is greater in that small group Amen. than it could be in a large gathering. Amen. 
people begin to minister, people get, I don't think you need a lot of training in ministry or a lot of teaching on spiritual gifts. If people are spiritual, if they're walking under Christ's life and they're in that small context, they don't, it doesn't, they can't help but begin to, to minister in their group, in their, in their, in their gifted area and their concern for each other. I've seen it over and over again and I shake my head and say, boy, that, that wouldn't have happened in a Sunday school class of 100 people or a church setting of 100 people. Mm-hmm. goes up and ministered to that one. I, I share your conviction that the leadership development as others are raised up that have the maturity and, and commitment and uh, calling to lead, lead a house church that um, numerically uh, those house churches will multiply and I think the way that you're modeling it on Thursday nights is such a wonderful experience uh, for them. So may the Lord just continue to add, as it says in the book of Acts daily, those, not only those who are being saved, but uh, to raise up leaders to take advantage of the wonderful mentoring that you're offering, Jeff. Um, it seems that the way, the way you're shifting to, uh, to this model of ministry, that's kind of freeing up some of your time. And we've talked about, uh, possibilities of you, um, using some of that time to follow up uh, your discussion with the board last time and and your uh, experience of sharing the message with um, doing some proactive ministry, especially reaching out to leaders. What are your thoughts on that and your vision? Well, uh, you know, after the Keswick class ended in March, uh, you know, the month of April and here part of May, I realized that on the weeks that we have neighborhood church group. Uh, I basically, I meet with the guys on Thursday night. I'm basically done. The majority of what I need to get done for Sunday is finished. And so Fridays and Saturdays, I've been looking to work ahead on things. Because, like I said, in the early part there, I was working on the Keswick lessons on Friday and Saturday. Now that that's done, I've, and I hope to get back to working on my book, um, my, my course, Christ Centered Living, that, you know, Bill Firth took a bunch of folks through and really appreciated it. Great. Get that rewrite done. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, using this extra time, is I really want to finish my certification there with Grace Fellowship. You know, my in my clinical discipleship. Great. You know, I'm I'm halfway through the second course and need just those other last two courses. And I want to get that done. Hopefully, I hope to do that by September to be done with that. That's kind of my goal. Okay. And then I realized on the weeks that we have the neighborhood church groups meeting, I, I would be available on Friday and Saturday to to do Exchange Life conferences or certainly to go to pastor's conferences. I mean, uh, I, I just feel that I, I want, you know, my heart's always been to have great impact for Christ and specifically to help pastors and churches. Mm-hmm. I know that kind of dovetails with kind of the renewed vision that God's given Dr. Solomon and yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think that I could be, I, I just want to let you know I could be available and maybe strategically plan how we could develop a representative, like a, like a ministry representative type system, where maybe maybe mean you could work on the prototype here in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania area, and then eventually develop GFI alumni throughout the country to be ministry associates who would who would do Exchange Life conferences in their geographical area. Mm-hmm. Just think if instead of the two conferences or so that you do at Pigeon Forge, if you had ten guys each doing. In two conferences a year, you know, we'd multiply it many times over. Right. And my goal would be to have at least do a conference at least once a month somewhere. That would be my hope. So I don't know how that whole that whole that could work out, but or what, the, what it would look like in, in operation. But that's kind of the big picture that I would 
We've we've had a GFI associate um, designation for a few years, but there hasn't been the proactive organization and promotion of it. And I really appreciate Jeff your your leadership gifts and uh, some of the insights you've given about um, ministry development. You also uh, took an opportunity you mentioned to me to drop in and said hi to Bill Wealthy at America's Keswick. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last. Um earlier this week it was, I can't, the weeks of this, oh, Tuesday it was this week, this past week, I had a doctor's appointment out that way, out past Keswick, um, and on my way home, I said, well, let me just take a chance to swing in and see him, and of course, he had known that the class, I, I saw he was available, just, they had a re- ladies' retreat starting, but he was busy, but uh, I didn't get a chance to visit with him for a few minutes, and I, he appreciated my teaching, heard great things about the class that I had just taught there at Keswick. And, of course, he's been exposed to, to bits and pieces of the exchange life message. And when Dr. Solomon visited a year and a half ago, I think he really warmly welcomed him and had his staff in. So I think there's some great potential there for us to have a real impact there in that ministry mm-hmm. and help them, because really that's the, the roots of that ministry was the grace teaching. Right. And um, and Bill Wealthy, I think he'll, he'll at one time he'll, he'll recommend you know, Dr. Solomon's book, and at the same breath, they'll recommend stuff that I think is really not grace-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think he understands how, uh, I don't think he's consistent in his understanding of the impact of the cross. Did you uh, drop drop the hint of maybe being available at a pastor's conference there? Yes, I did. I, I, I mentioned to him, I said that I had told him that um, I'd been down to interview with you guys, and the possibility of maybe being part-time while I'm here as a ministry associate, and then they have several pastors' conferences a year. They have one in the fall, that's a very small one, called the Soul Care Conference, and they have a larger one in January, as pastor and wives. And I, I told them that, you know, uh, I would very like to come, possibly represent GFI with a display table, book table, and, and, be, and of course I would be there at the conference mingling with the guys, and, and set up and establish some further relationships, not as a pastor to pastor, but as a as the GFI representative to these guys that I've known over the years that I've been here, mm-hmm. and see if we can have impact to pastors and churches just from that avenue. I appreciate your vision, Jeff, and your proximity to America's Keswick and how um, you can take the burden you've had as you've experienced pastors' conferences and know that they need a, a more complete Christ-centered answer and then to perhaps take it this to this next level. So appreciate you planting the seed there and um, sharing that in such a way that uh, I can record it for the board to consider as well. Good, excellent. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, you know that's kind of how God's been working. We're just kind of waiting, and of course, the next uh, we're on vacation the next week and a half. And just you know, Michael had his graduation from college yesterday. It was wonderful. Congratulations! Yeah, he did. We we're very proud of him, and we're going to be taking some time away. And then in June, I'll be available. And then July, I'm I'm taking the entire month of July away to just rest and renew, mm-hmm. and then look back in August, the middle of August. My men and I were going away for a day to just pray and see how God would take the new model of Grace Christian Church, the neighborhood church group model. And you know, so just to clarify, this is not house church. We're still a, a, a local church. House churches, each house group would stand on its own as the church. In in our situation, each house church still comes under the central direction of Grace Christian Church. 
And some might describe that as a house church network. Yeah, it's a, it, it, certainly that's one way that you could describe it. But but we're but we're incorporated as Grace Christian Church, and these would just be our. That's what we call them neighborhood church groups. We didn't call mm-hmm. them house groups because house churches because we didn't want that quite that connotation. Right. So what happens on Sunday morning is very different than a, than a Wednesday night cell group was. Wednesday night cell group there was relational and the focus was on discipling and some prayer, um, some up worship, but it wasn't focused. What we do on Sunday morning uh, home groups is we feel that because it's become their worship expression of the week, we have to make that right. more balanced group time. So there has to be mm-hmm. more of a focus on worship and prayer and then also discipling. And also when you have midweek groups, John, you, you have people that we are during a midweek group, our goal eventually is 100% participation in involvement in the lesson and prayer and share. But on Sunday morning, we're a little more sensitive that there are going to be some folks that aren't quite ready for that type of openness. And so we, like, we don't go around a group on a Sunday morning and say, okay, let's each take a question and answer. We just kind of leave it much more open so that those that aren't quite ready to share or feel like yeah. mature enough to, they don't, they're not put on the spot. So there's a little bit of difference, but yeah. um, I would say that we're kind of a hybrid now between a cell church and a house church. Okay. Oh. Well, brother, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to share about what God's been doing there and, and your availability and vision. We can uh, put it on the recording this way. And um, Anything else on your mind you wanted to mention? No, just I'll pray for you guys and uh, okay. just... Uh, just believe that it's the most important foundational uh, truth for Christian living, and if we don't have this in place, nothing else is going to make any difference. So, including church, including church renewal, church renewal. I'm a, I really versed in church structure. I think church structures need to change. I think that they're not principle driven. But I also know that if you try to change church structure without changing these hearts first. You're just going to have conflict, and it's just going to be external again. Mm-hmm. I think the, the heart's got to come, then the structure's got to flow. I agree. The new wine and the, the appropriate wine skin. Brother, right. um, I'll just turn off the recording now and really appreciate your time. Well, it's my pleasure, John. It was exciting. And, um, you know, let me know. Like I said, I, I, I'll be around in June. Kind of, I'm working just part-time. If you guys want me to rest, I'll do some things in June. I hope to work on a lot of my certification in June, get back to that. I really think it would be wise in the month of July. I'm just going to step away fully. I'm going to do some personal reading and, and just try to just truly unplug from everything and then come back August really fresh. So. Sounds sounds uh, like just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think.